What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night. And you can find me on Twitter at MMALOTN, just making sure my mic is actually set up and not my webcam mic. Yes, let's go. I got the correct one going on for you guys right now. All right. So not the typical time that you guys are used to seeing me. It is a Wednesday night, hump night, uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern here. Normally, we do this on Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. Had a, had a little bit of a rough weekend this past weekend. Um, fell a little bit behind on the work, but we're okay. We're good to go. We're back on track. Um, not sure if I'm actually going to drop a pre-recorded version of the podcast this week. I think I'll I'll just put this version out on the uh, on the audio platforms and all that type of shit. Um, you know, just just treat this as the normal podcast. But uh, yeah, uh, crazy week. Just been uh, car shopping the last couple of days taking up a little bit of my time and then obviously just trying to stay stay on top of the tape index updates and all that type of stuff. So not a, not good timing for everything to be happening the way that it's been happening, which is why also I didn't do my fight day show for UFC 261, uh, which you guys are used to seeing for me. So uh, now slowly catching up. Everybody's good to go. Uh, you know, no, no, no issues. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. And as soon as Locke gets his car, I'll be even happier. But uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. We only went to go see one of them today. The second one kind of bailed. Gonna go be gonna go see that on the weekend. And I'm looking forward to um, uh, to seeing it, seeing how it turns out. Uh, and then hopefully we can get a Locke mobile on the road as soon as possible. Uh, but yeah, what we are going over UFC 265. Or God damn it, get in the game. <laughs> We're get, going over UFC Vegas to 25, headlined by Yuri Prohaska and Dominic Reyes. A big, light, heavyweight matchup that we got coming up. Uh, Prohaska obviously had a successful debut way back at UFC 251 when he knocked out Volkan Uzdemir. That was July of last year. So taking a little bit of time off, he is back here now in a headlining spot. Going up against Dominic Reyes, who fell short against uh, uh, Jan Blachowicz in terms of uh, capturing that vacant light heavyweight strap that John Jones left for these guys. And uh, Jan Blachowicz came in with a great game plan, picked apart Dominic Reyes, and then eventually finished him uh, and, uh, yeah, secured the title victory for himself. So Dominic Reyes is, is looking to bounce back from a title loss. Uh, and Yuri Prohaska is looking to continue his ascent inside the light heavyweight division and uh, possibly get a title shot after he actually gets this uh, gets this win, if he is able to get this one. So great great card, solid fights top to bottom. Ion Kutalaba going up against Dustin Jacoby. Sean Strickland returns against Christoph Jaco. Cub Swanson in the Coleman event spot against Giga Chikadze. Uh, a lot of fun fights. Uh, really looking forward to breaking down this card for you guys. Uh, and yeah. Like I said, the pre-recorded one probably won't drop this week. So this is the one that you guys are going to be listening to. Shout out to my audio listeners who are probably listening to this on the replay. So shout out to everybody in here. Uh, let's see what the chat is saying real quick. Then we get into the things here. Obviously, we're in the championship hat for the Raptors. Uh, 11 straight winning week, or sorry, 10 straight winning weeks. Uh uh, again, I'll, I'll go over the betting recap very shortly. Let me see what the chat is saying, and then we'll get into the breakdowns here for you guys. The interim view, my man is sitting from his hospital bed, survivor of a motorcycle crash, uh, chilling out, hanging with us. I appreciate you dropping by my guy. Brian Timkoit saying, bet Mrs. Locke's car budget on Look Boomy and upgrade to the heated seats with the winnings. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. Vince uh, Mag Vincent Magno in the chat. What's going on, my guy? Appreciate you stopping by. Dave Crack saying Yafu was not watching one FC. Nah, we, we ain't bothering with that. Uh, 
Brian Timko is thanking him for the reminder. Uh, <laughs> the interview got multiple screens. Y'all are straight savages. Uh, Dave cracks the MPFL tomorrow too. Yeah, it's weird that they're doing a third uh, or, or Thursday card. Weird as hell. Bruce Jackson is saying, "Holla at your boy last week. The Rage was the champions parlay. This week it's about the low-level women's fighter parlay. Look, Bumi, Pinero, Botelho. One of them is probably going to crash, just like Zhang ended up crashing for you guys. I apologize. That's why I only went with Usman and Shevchenko. Catch that shit." Uh, Andrew Osanto, okay, let me try this again. I apologize. Andrew Osanto, whiskey, <laughs> God damn, that was terrible. Uh, yes, I do have the 261 predictions in my, uh, in my description. So I got to change that on the flip side. So I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, thank you, Blackie Chan. You're the best too. UFC Rob or UCF Rob asking, did I get the car? I didn't get a car yet. I went and test drove. Uh, drove the 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 bends that I was looking at, um, but I am looking at uh, an Audi as well. Uh, gonna go test drive that on on Saturday now, so it's gonna get pushed back a little bit, uh, and then I'm gonna make my decision off of one of those two. So hopefully one of those two end up being the, the car that I want. I really want the Audi to be honest. It's an Audi A5, beautiful car, uh, black on black. You guys know how I do things, so uh, hopefully that one comes through. Ben Peak is saying I feel like Reyes should be the better fighter here, especially if he takes it to the ground. Looking forward to breaking down that for you guys. Um, Dave Crack saying Ioki has the craziest voice I've ever heard. I'm assuming he's talking about Shinya. Uh, ben Peak thoughts on that lock. Whenever you can get the chance to talk about the matchup, thanks for the content, bro. No worries, my guy. Yeah, Bruce Jackson, keep. Make fun of me. I can't, I can't. I couldn't get it. My my mouth could not do it. Derek saying Ryan Marcus for the upside, knowing this year, but the house on it. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's let's get into the let's get into the show. Uh, first and foremost, like we always do, just as whoever you're tailing, whoever you're following, any capper out there, they should be going over the last week's events um, recap. And let me just pull up my damn screen here. Bang. There we go. Uh, and last week, once again, we hit a winning week, and that's 10 straight winning events, nine straight lock of the night hits, and that's how it's pretty much been this uh, for the last two months now. And we're going to keep it this way. The slow and steady approach and the lock of the night approach is going gonna, is gonna to work. The dog of the night play is always a cherry on top, but we're hoping to take profits home from that lock of the night play on a regular basis. So first and foremost, we'll go over the loss. We'll go over the dog of the night play at 1.25 units on Carl Roberson at plus 138. I don't know where this man thought he was going to be a jiu-jitsu wizard from uh, you know kicking out of uh, Allen's position the way that he did very uh, impressively. And then for some reason went in there and uh, start to mix up in the grappling with Allen again. Not the right move. I was hoping that he would be able to keep the fight on the feet for a little bit longer. Didn't really work out that way. So shout out to anybody that was on Brendan Allen. Good win for him there. Uh, that's a loss on our dog of the night play there. And then obviously the lock of the night play had to go with Usman and Shevchenko. And they definitely lived up to the uh to the price tags that they were at in the straight lines and then obviously even better in the in the parlayed line that i got at minus 182 five units cash is for plus 2.75 uh unit uh love that it was dope it was good 
Uh, yeah, happy. Again, uh, 10 straight winning weeks. So we're hoping to make it 11 this week. This is my longest event winning streak that I'm currently on. So I hope to continue that role, continue rolling uh, for you guys. I do have my lock of the night play for this weekend's card already posted on the Patreon. Again, not a full tout over here. Whenever I do hit a losing event, I post my next three winning events for free. Then go back. Then everything goes back behind the Patreon. Well, again, it's only five bucks a month. Uh, we are at a substantial amount of people in the Patreon. I do want to give a quick shout out to the to the Patreon fellas here. We're up to three hundred and forty seven people in the Patreon. That is absolutely insane, especially with the amount of heat that I've been running with uh, during this uh, whole week uh, or whole month. In in April alone, one hundred and seventeen new patrons. Shout out to everybody that's showing your boys some support, and I hope to continue cashing those lock of the night plays for you guys, something that you can rely on on a week-to-week -week basis. So shout out to everybody on there as well. Uh, yeah, let, let's see quickly what the chat is saying here. Richard Perez saying shout out from Saga. Saga City. <laughs> uh, Ryan Maddox saying, seen Strickland's comment towards Allen's call. It. I have not seen it, but I do recall Allen saying that he thought that fight was a fluke. Big Omega in the chat saying, what up? Shiv Dami saying, lock holding down Brampton. You know how it is. You know how it is. All right, let's move on to the plays or the, the breakdowns first and foremost. So uh, first and foremost, we got Luke Sanders coming up against Philippe uh, Kolarish. Minus 145 on Sanders, plus 125 on Kolarish. This one was a weird one, right? We had a lot of bouncing around in terms of matchups. I think it was... Uh, uh, originally supposed to be TJ Laramie against Damon Jackson. Uh, Laramie pulls out. I believe Sanders jumps in. Uh, then Sander, uh, then Jackson pulls out, and then Kolarish pulls in after Kolarish's opponent uh, uh, pulled out as well, too. So that was absolutely insane uh, in terms of seeing the, the flipperty flop over there. The last time I remember something like that happening was uh, Eric Anders against uh, Tiago Santos. I believe the main event was originally supposed to be Glover to share against Jimmy Manua. Manua pulls out, Santos pull comes in, uh, Glover pulls out, Anders comes in. Uh, hilarious. Um, Hilarious musical chairs going on over there. But here we got Luke Sanders obviously fighting out a uh, uh, fight ready. And he's one of those guys that came into the UFC undefeated and then has had four losses, obviously bouncing between wins and losses over his last five fights. But it's just his fight IQ that's just very, very questionable, right? The guy is a great wrestler. He doesn't use it to the best of his abilities, in my opinion. Faints with the takedowns very well and obviously threatens with it very well. But it has some pretty good uh, striking for a wrestler, right? It's mainly the wrestling style approach when it comes to the striking, which is wide looping hooks. Uh, you know, no real shots down the middle or anything like that. And he does a decent job of pressuring his opponents, just like he did with Nate Madness in their first uh, in the first round of that fight. So very good approach from him there. But then for some reason, he just sticks around in the pocket a little bit too long with guys that are much better in the striking realm than him. Same as Andre Sukumtad fight. There were questionable moments in the Patrick Williams fight, even though he ended up winning that fight. Uh, and then obviously the Nate Manis fight last time around where he stuck in the pocket a little bit too much. Nate Manis was able to clip him, drop him, and then eventually submit him there. Felipe Kolaris, on the other hand, coming, uh, coming back from an absolute ass-whooping on this uh against montel jackson i'm sure montel jackson was absolutely mystified that he wasn't able to get clarish out of there uh based on the amount of punches that he's throwing at him and uh, the amount of that he was even landing on him with the velocity that he was landing on these guys absolutely insane uh great heart and durability shown by clarish there uh the domingo polarte fight before that posed the win off as a plus 325 dog 
big win for him there. Uh, you know, really controlling a lot of the positions against uh, Pilarte, getting his back a couple times, uh, getting the better of the striking exchanges. Not a lot of people expected him to win the way that he did, but he pulled it off. He was a big underdog, and he was able to get the victory that night. And then his UFC debut against Geraldo De Freitas. That was a debut for both of these guys, and De Freitas was able just to inch him out in pretty much every aspect of that fight. But I do like what I'm seeing from Kolaris, man. The guy has some decent hands. His cardio is questionable, just as it is for Luke Sanders. Uh, you know, he has obviously great jiu-jitsu, uh, and that's probably where he's going to look to get it. Now, he probably doesn't have the wrestling to get Luke Sanders to the ground and try to pull off that submission, but... He does have some hands, and Luke Saunders has that questionable fight IQ, and we could potentially see a similar situation like we saw with the Nate Madness fight where we see Felipe Clars clip him on the feet and then, uh, you know, jump guard or whatever the fuck it is and, and try to get him into this uh, – into the uh to the grappling room and then eventually pull off that submission so i'm never trusting luke sanders with my money anymore i don't care what anybody says whether i got inside scoops or whatever the fuck it is i am not betting on luke sanders ever again which is why i'm ultimately going to be going with philippe philippe Kolarish. Uh, uh not saying i'm going to be betting on Kolarish here but i feel like he's the better fighter at the plus money and uh, what he brings to the table outside of this questionable cardio i feel like he could give luke sanders some issues here so luke sanders more often than not always beats himself and that's where i think he's going to end up happening once again this weekend going up against the guy in Kolarish, who i believe is kind of underrated you know i mean obviously he got his ass whooped last time around as a plus 500 underdog but he showed great cardio he should or not cardio he showed great durability the ability to just continue moving forward not really caring about what's coming back his way and i don't really know what luke sanders is going to throw at him that clark has yet to see before uh and i don't think that clark will really crumble under that pressure so i love what i'm getting from philippe clark here so i'm going to be going with we have uh philippe clark here See what the chat is saying. Again, I'll go over the chat after every little breakdown that I'm going to be doing for the matchups here. But if there aren't qu uh, questions or comments that are concerning this matchup, I'm not really going to pay too much attention to it because I want to keep this uh, this show moving along at a smooth pace. Big Bird, PH is saying Sanders is going to pull a stunt like he always does. And that's why you're never going to see me with my money on that, man. <laughs> Interview saying Beat Town Finders. Marley's on the underdog. I, I like it too. My guy MMA Kappa is in the chat. Ben Peak, have you bet on Luke? No, definitely not. And Ben Peak saying, when have you bet on Luke? <laughs> I feel like I've bet, him, bet on him in the past. I just don't recall when. Luke Fulton saying, my man Locke keeps his streak running, baby. Let's go. Fulton saying, yeah, Sanders has skills, but it's risky. I absolutely agree with that. Dylan Glenn is saying, Kolaris totally lost to Plarte too, in my opinion. He could easily be 0-3 in the UFC. Yeah, I remember it being a close fight. If I'm not mistaken, I do believe I had Pilarte in a parlay that night. So that, And I believe it was the first fight as well, so it definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah, very close fight. Arlen Emerson, Sanders versus Clarence is the only fight I'm not betting this weekend. You are a degenerate, my friend. <laughs> but I don't blame you at all. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got KB Puller versus Andreas Mihalaitis. Uh, minus 245 for Mihalaitis, plus 205 for Buller. Now, obviously, the line is heavily skewed here due to um Mihala or sorry Buller uh and the last thing that we remember seeing from him is him getting finished by a jab. And now everybody's on 
this Mihalai decided, look, this guy has a ton of knockouts on his record, hits hard. He should probably go in there and absolutely dust KB, right? That's what the public perception probably is, and that's probably why the line is as wide as it is. Now, let's not forget our good old friend Jacob Malkoon from a couple weeks ago, who a lot of people expected to get dusted in that first round by Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, and he's like, nah, dog. I got different plans. I'm going to take this fight to the ground. I'm going to try to grapple fuck you and take home a decision victory. And that's exactly what he did. And I'm not saying that KB Buller is going to go out there and put on a grappling clinic against Andreas Mihalaitis, but you got to take that out of your head. You got to take these quick finishes, especially over, you know, when KB Buller is fighting a guy so much better than him, like Tom Breeze, right? Tom Breeze, uh, say what you want about where he is and what his potential is now compared to what it used to be. The guy's a much better fighter than Buller is, especially considering that it was Buller's debut. Now, um, you know, I, I expect to see a little bit more durability from Buller this time around. I'm expecting to see a little bit more of his game. But even with that said, I'm not sure if it's enough to go out there and beat a hard-nosed guy like Andreas Mihalaitis. Now, it hurts me to say that. You know what I mean? KB Buller, fellow Indo-Canadian, one of the few that we've ever had in the UFC. The only other one that comes to mind is Arjun Buller. But, you know, I, I'm not the most impressed with what I've been seeing, not to mention the, the lack of competition as well, too. And that's not something that's in his wheelhouse, right? Or that's not something that's in his control. Like Cody Cron was a guy, I believe he was 16 and 13 when he went to that fight against KB, who was, K, you know, with KB only having about like six or seven pro MMA fights at that time. Uh, great performance from KB. He was able to obviously put away uh, Cran after he hit him with a beautiful head kick and then followed up with some punches. And then he follows that performance up by beating a UFC uh, veteran and Matt Dwyer over five rounds. And that was a solid performance for him. Uh, with that said, though, you know, I, I'm not sure if he probably would have beaten uh, Bruno Oliveira, who was scheduled to fight him in the contender series before Buller ended up getting the call up to the to the UFC to fight Tom Breeze. I'm hoping we see a little bit different from KB for, for here, right? I'm hoping that he's able to put up with the style that we're going to be seeing from Mihal Lattis, which is hard-nosed, move forward, throw a lot of big shots, throw a lot of spin shit, throw some flying shit in there if you want to as well. But he throws with a lot of sauce on his shots, and I think it might eventually break KB. Now, I don't think it's going to be as quickly as Tom Breeze was able to do because Tom Breeze is very technical and very uh, you know efficient on the feet. I think Mihal Lattis is going to have to work a little bit to get KB out of there, but I think he will eventually do so. I'm not going to be going out there and laying the minus 245 on Mihalaitis, as I believe there are still just as much question marks about him as we do have with KB, but there is more tape on there for Mihalaitis for us to go out there and be like, okay, this guy can go out there and do it against pretty much anybody. Uh, not anybody, but like he can do it and, and give us the same type of performance at all times. KB doesn't seem like he holds range that well, and I think he's going to struggle here against Mihalaitis, who's coming down a weight class from his last fight. Uh, and, you know, in terms of size here, he's obviously four inches shorter, and he's going to be at a two-inch reach disadvantage. But I think his spinning attacks really allow him to help close that distance and really get his shots off at, at a much better rate. Uh, that knockout over Marcel Fortuna, very beautiful knockout there. I believe it was started with a spinning back kick. Uh, but the guy has some power in his hands, and I think he could definitely put it on KB here. It hurts me to... Uh, it hurts me to uh, uh, to to pick uh, against KB here, but I want to see a little bit more from him. And if he's able to pull off the victory this weekend in spectacular fashion or at least in impressive fashion, maybe I'll look to back him a little bit more in the future. But in terms of a betting perspective, I'm absolutely staying away from this fight. Too much chalk on Mihalaitis and too many question marks on Buller. Buller could absolutely pull off the 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 the, the, the win here, right? He seems to have a sneaky jujitsu game with a couple uh, uh, anaconda chokes. 
and north south chokes victories on his record but i truly truly think that he has a lot of question marks uh regarding like his durability and fighting guys that bring the heat like mihalidis will be doing this weekend so i'm gonna go with mihalidis i think he'll actually get the finish probably in the second round here uh but yeah i'm hoping that we see a full three rounder so we can see what both guys can bring to the table especially if they're stretched over 15 minutes ben peak brings up a good question here is the over under set at one and a half or two and a half for this fight and it is set at under one and a half. Under one and a half is plus 105. Over one and a half is minus 125. I think the over one and a half is not too bad of a spot here, as I do think that the it's slightly over, uh, you know, one of, first and foremost, I think it's at one and a half because of the last fight for Buller. Um, and I think this one might get stretched out a little bit more. When he is better, he does good from distance, and he does good from uh, slowing down the fight. And that's what I'm expecting to see uh, in this in this matchup. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then we'll move things on. Wail Al Gadban is saying Rose ruined me last week. Yeah, that's why I was staying heavily away from that fight. Ram Griana. <laughs> Uh, MMA Kappa, liking the fight doesn't go to decision when KB dropped me with the Jabbler is involved. I don't see a really a Malcoon case here. I don't know, man. It's a Tom Breeze jab. Let's give him some uh, some slack. Bruce Jackson saying Lock believes in Canada's own KB Buller. Not only Canada's own, the only other Cana Indo-Canadian in the fucking UFC. I wish I could, but uh, I'm not doing it. Kung Dao Chicken, KB Buller's opponents have a combined record of like 3-17. and 17. I think that's a little bit overblown, to be honest. Cody Crown was 16 and 13. Matt Dwyer was, you know, I think 11 and 4 at the time. I get where you're coming from, though. As the Crusader saying, hashtag Buller is strong. Big Bird saying, KB finna be the first Indo Canadian champ. That's high praise, high praise. Kung Dao Chicken, uh, Buller, ground game, Mihalatis actually has good grappling skills. Yeah, Buller has some, uh, you know, he has a north south choke on his record. He has an um, anaconda choke on his record. Level of competition, though, kind of questionable. So, yeah. Priestel Passwords is saying I have a Benz. I hate it. <laughs> Maybe that'll go with the Audi if it checks out on Saturday. Uh, Dylan Glenn is saying, staying away from this one, but the pick is Andreas on the basis of KB seems, KB's seeming lack of a chin. Let's, again, let's cut him a little bit of slack. It was his first ever loss. And they came by knockout, and they came against a fighter that was much, much better than him. So, like, don't show up this weekend thinking that Mihalaitis should go out there and absolutely start him in the first round. If there is a trend, right? We're only seeing this one time. It could be an anomaly for KB. It could be. So be careful. Nick West is saying, too chalky for me, given the unproven skills. I agree. Uh, Kung Dao Chicken KB, too busy playing Pokemon. Tam two missing Andreas KO. Mystic Souza saying not just a jab, a power jab. Yeah, man, he planted him on his butt there. Shiv Dami saying only Indo Canadian to lock enters the octagon. <laughs> YBB saying KB for the upset. All right, all right, all right. Big Bird PH is saying Lock's guard game is nothing to be played with. Yeah, you guys already know. Omo Plata's for days. Baby Yoda predictions. Uh, my man, God bless brother. He if Malcoon can do it, our boy KB can. <laughs> Uh, Mihalaitis is also returning to 185 this time. Bukowski's fight was at 205. I don't know if he was used to that weight class yet. And again, I, I feel like he got a, a pretty bad shake in that fight, right? Considering how it was stopped. Obviously, he was hurt 
but uh, had he known the cage door was there and not just cage, I'm sure he wouldn't have fallen back the way that he did. So uh, unfortunate loss for him there. All right, last thing here, he's got his system back, that's for sure. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. And we got Loma Lupunmi coming in at heavy track at minus 400, going up against Sam Hughes, plus 325. It seemed like as soon as this line opened, I believe it was around minus 260, minus 280 for Loma. That money came rolling the fuck in as a lot of people are expecting her to go out there and torch Sam Hughes. Now, I kind of agree that she should win this fight, but the line is starting to get a little bit out of, out of hand, right? I, I don't mind parlaying her. You know, the, I do think she wins, but the, the one thing that is a bit of a concern here is if Sam Hughes goes out there and decides to get this fight to the ground and try to grind her out that way. That's obviously how we saw Angela Hill win that fight. And then Ginny Fry in that third round when she absolutely knew she was down on the scorecards, she goes out there and lands a takedown pretty much at will. And it was just like, where the fuck was that in the first two rounds if you're looking to, you know, if you knew what your advantage was, which was being the physically stronger woman, dragging this fight to the ground and trying to impose your will that way. And even though she did get her down in the, at the, the beginning of that third round, she just wasn't able to do much work with it from on top, which is why Lomo was able to get back to her feet and pretty much maintain distance with her leg kicks, with the striking. And then obviously, uh, whenever they clinched up, she was always able to get that Muay Thai plum and start raining down some knees on the forehead of Jin Yu Fry. I'm very impressed with what we've been seeing from Loma, not to mention the amount of fight experience that she has. Now, she only has seven pro MMA fights, but obviously you guys know the people growing up over there in Thailand, especially if they're involved with Muay Thai, they've been training that shit since they're like seven or eight years old. So Loma has a ton of Muay Thai fights on her record. So don't let the five and two record definitely deceive you compared to the Sam Hughes five and two, who probably had a couple amateur fights and then came into the pro scene. Loma has been fighting. <laughs> she's been fighting. But again, she's not been fighting. MMA. She's not been fighting people that can impose wrestling on her. And that is a bit of concern. So we have to see that really iron itself out before we truly go out riding off and saying that uh, Loma should be able to, you know, torch these women now. She does have a great head coach, obviously, working over there at Tiger Muay Thai with George Hickman. And if people are familiar with George Hickman, him and his brother, the Hickman brothers, they actually had some sort of wrestling background in the States. And they eventually got recruited over to, to Thailand to start training like or start teaching their all of their opponents, uh, you know, MMA and a lot of uh, wrestling as well, considering that was just primarily a, a Muay Thai gym. So I'm sure they're doing solid work over there. Piotr Jan used to train over there. Mozart Evluev, I think it's had a little bit of hard times now because the whole coronavirus thing and the lack of uh, you know traveling and all that stuff over there. But uh, you know I think they're still doing good work for Loma. Now, how she matches up with Sam Hughes. If you guys remember my breakdown of Sam Hughes against Tisha Torres when she made her UFC debut on short notice, not to mention, not just short notice, but... Um, fight week, like she got called upon on fight week. Uh, she comes in and fights uh, Tisha Torres as a minus or sorry, as a plus 425 dog. And, um, you know, if you guys remember my breakdown, I was talking about how Sam Hughes could potentially be a good bet moving forward when she starts getting a good training camp, when she starts really start putting things together. Um, 
but I, but I think stylistically this is a bad matchup for her. I, I like the way she mixes everything up. She has decent striking. She has a decent ground game. She has decent wrestling. But I think the the the, the skill difference in the striking is going to be far too much here. I think Loma has a great leg kick. I think she does very well in the, the clinch positions. And I think that's where we're going to find ourselves at most points is that clinch position. Loma was born in the clinch. And I think that's where she's going to really rough up Sam Hughes here. So I agree with the line movement here. But at a certain point, you guys are going to have to be like, all right, we, we can't get too crazy with the slam for Loma look when we considering she only has seven uh professional MMA fights she's had a ton of fights outside of MMA but in terms of MMA specifically that's the only thing the UFC cares about that's the only thing Sam Hughes cares about and if she's able to mix in some takedowns which I think could be there for her uh she could make this fight a lot closer than the odds suggest uh my, my concern is how dominant will Sam Hughes be from on top I don't think that off that much I think she's going to struggle to keep her there but I do like Loma to win this fight. I think she's going to win by uh, by decision. I think that freak eye poke in that uh, Tisha Torres fight, uh, I think Sam Hughes is much tougher than that, uh, and I think she'll be able to last, uh, last at least 15 minutes here against Loma Lukwumi. So I'm going Loma. I'm going via decision, uh, but this line is getting absolutely crazy. <laughs> All right, let's see what the chat is saying here. MMA Kappa is saying, love Loma. Just worried if Hughes can establish that size and takedowns. Yeah, she's going to have a four-inch height advantage as well as a three-inch reach advantage. And it was weird because I believe Tisha Torres is also 5'1". And it doesn't look like a massive size advantage that she had over Tisha Torres. Obviously, Tisha Torres is much more jacked and stronger than Loma Lukbunmi. But, I, you know, just creeping on uh, Loma's uh, social medias, you can see that she's working on the weight training. She's trying to put some more muscle on. She's trying to get stronger so she can deal with these, you know, women that are are bigger than her. And let's not be – uh, any shady about it, right? Loma Lukbunmi is actually a 105er, just as Jin Fry is actually a 105er. Tisha Torres would probably also be a 105er if the UFC had the atomweight division, uh, but they don't. So when Loma was in Invicta, she was fighting at 105. So she, she definitely has to bulk up a little bit. She's going to have to get stronger when she starts fighting these stronger women, and this is a good test for her to go out there and try to do that. MMA Cap is saying not worth it at Loma's price. I could absolutely understand that. Uh, fight goes to decision or Loma by decision. I like that as well. That's my guy, Tim Toom. Nick Weiss is saying Hughes will be stronger here. Can she secure takedowns or hold her down? I think she could land a couple takedowns. I'm just not, I'm just not um, sold on her ability to hold her down. And then when this fight is on the feet, I think it's going to be one-way traffic. Dylan Glensing wouldn't take Loma's line straight up, but Loma by decision is a decent bet. What is that prop anyway? Let's see what that prop is. Loma by decision is minus 135. Absolutely makes sense. Kung Dao Chicken is saying, not sure why Loma's size is a concern. Tisha Torres is just as small as Hughes, and Hughes couldn't take her down. You, you can't compare Torres and Loma, though. You know, Torres obviously has much better grappling credentials and and has experienced way more than Loma has. So I wouldn't, I would not do the MMA mats there with uh, Tisha and Loma in terms of their takedown defense. Uh, Loma is way better striker and stronger in the clinch than Tisha. I agree with those aspects, but when we're talking about wrestling, I think it's a different story. Arlena M is saying Loma for sure, but I bet on Hughes because I'm a DJ and plus three hundred. Of course you did. Uh, Big Bird, Hughes pulled a Max Roscoff, and yet she's still in the UFC. Yeah, that was a weird one, right? That was a weird one. Definitely weird. 
Kung Dao Chicken Loma also has a great camp with good training partners. Sam Hughes trains with the relatively unknowns. Yeah. Hunter M saying Hughes quit. Impossible for me to take. Exactly. I, I think she'll make it a better of a count of herself this weekend. But yeah, that is definitely a little bit of a concern. Something that you want to be mindful of when going into this fight. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got TJ Brown coming in as a plus 135 dog against Kai Kamaka the third. Uh, minus 155 on Kai Kamaka. Now, Kai Kamaka came into the UFC with a beautiful fight of the night performance against Tony Kelly. I believe that was the first fight of the night at UFC 252, the night of Cormier and Miocic. And they definitely stole the show, right? It was the first fight of the night. They went to absolute war. They were both huffing and puffing in that second and third round. And it was Kai Kamaka that ended up coming on the winning end. And at minus 265, I don't know who the hell was holding a ticket at that point in time, but they were probably sweating their balls off because that was crazy back and forth fight but kai kamaka ends up getting his hand raised that night then he comes back and follows it up with a lot knockout loss to jonathan pierce as a minus 270 dog or a minus 270 favorite a lot of people are expecting him to go out there and absolutely molly up jonathan pierce who himself was coming off a loss knockout loss to joe lozon so a lot of people were really low on jonathan pierce didn't really expect too much from him and uh they were pleasantly surprised when he was able to get the knockout victory over kai kamaka now the one thing that I really think was uh was um the one thing that that I think uh, a lot of people were surprised about was the lack of cardio from Kai Kamaka um in the Jonathan Pierce fight but if you watch that Tony Kelly fight it's probably it's there too right but we're kind of we're kind of blinded by it because it was a war. Both guys were really huffing and puffing, so we didn't really get to see too much of it, which is where Jonathan Pierce was, you know, a little bit more composed, landing the better shots, and then obviously out of the better gas tank, and then did a great thing, a very smart thing by taking down Kamaka at the end of the second round, and then just ground and pounding him there and just, you know, wearing on him and eventually getting the the finisher. So good win for, for Jonathan Pierce that night, but a lot of uh, question marks and red flags about Kai Kamaka. TJ Brown, on the other hand, has had a rough run inside of the UFC. Obviously, he had a very successful contender series uh, fight, which eventually made him or, or allowed him to get his UFC contract. And then he comes in against Jordan Griffey and gets Marcelotine, I believe is what they call it is, or Marcelotine. Uh, it was like a guillotine from uh, the half-card position, one of the weird ones. Now we've ever seen TJ Brown obviously giving the thumbs up, and then before he knows it, the man's sleeping. Good one for Jordan Griffin there. And then the Donnie Chavez fight. TJ Brown did not approach that fight correctly, in my opinion. He allowed Donnie Chavez to get working from space, allowing to him to get at the calf kickoff, and that really destroyed him in that, uh, the first and second rounds. When he wanted to start fighting in the second round, he was the one pushing the pace. He was the one putting Donnie Chavez up against the cage, landing a couple of takedowns, and obviously getting some good strikes off there. But it was just a little bit too little too late. Now here against Kai Kamaka, I think that this is a great performance or a great uh, spot for him uh, to go out there and actually... Uh, get the victory here. I think he could absolutely get his hand raised this weekend as a dog, as I believe that Kai Kamako will struggle with uh, keeping this fight vertical. I think that TJ Brown will be relentless with the takedowns, get Kai Kamaka down, really start to work him there. I don't know if he'll be able to find a position uh, or, or a submission, I should say, but I will say the third round pro sub prop is definitely very live here for TJ Brown, especially with Kai Kamaka if he's going to be showing that porous gas tank as he did last time around and even in the Tony Kelly fight. Now the question, the, the the issue that I have with Kamaka is his striking looks great. Obviously, his cardio is a question mark, but his inability to finish opponents, I think, is going to be a big detriment for him. Especially considering he's going to need a full fifteen minutes to get, um, 
to 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 get his game plan going right or or at least to be effective with his game plan whereas tj brown he can just rely on those takedowns uh, take you down grind you out and just pummel from you pummel you from on top and obviously obviously start looking for uh, for submissions too and i think that's something that he's going to be successful in doing here against kai kamaka that first round might be a little bit sketchy right if you're holding a tj brown ticket in that first round you're going to be like oof so it could be also a better uh, live betting opportunity, right? You're going to get some good money on TJ Brown in that second round, and then that's where you should be able to start taking over. I will be pinpointing the third-round prop here, but I do really like TJ Brown to go out there, land takedowns, and secure a third-round submission victory. That's what I'm going to be going with here, and I think he's one of the better dogs on the card this weekend. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then we can move on to the next matchup. Uh, no, I say I don't hate myself enough to bet on Kai versus TJ. Um, some solution asking whether I'm watching one championship. There's no way I can do this breakdown show and watch one championship at the same time. So I apologize. Uh, Dylan Glenn, Rugrug is a unit. He is absolutely a unit. Um, Nick West is saying, give me one sec here. Uh, why isn't it showing? You should be showing. There it is. <clears throat> uh, Nick West, I hope they make a Kai Kamaka the Ford so I can fade him too. Holloway is the only Hawaiian fighter that gets some of my bankroll. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii ain't doing too hot. Big Bird PH is saying Kai Kamaka has very poor takedown defense, plus Brown being with Kraus seems like a good fit. Can I argue with that? Nah. TJ just got in TJ live. I agree. Kung Dao Chicken James Cross is also in TJ's corner for sure. He has a good game plan. I agree. Look what they did with Derek Minner, right? God damn against Charles Rosa. Uh, and I'm assuming UCF Rob is talking about one FC right now. All right. So yeah, uh, TJ Brown, definitely a very live dog this weekend. All right, let's move on to the next one. We got Gabriel Benitez against Jonathan Pierce. There seems to be a little bit of money coming in on Jonathan Pierce, and I'm interested to see how much this line does actually end up closing. I do like Gabriel here, though. I do think that he's a, a savvy vet. Obviously, has a four-year four uh, age advantage, if that's what you want to call it, or the wisdom advantage. Uh, obviously, a bunch of uh, uh, experience in terms of, uh, or at least double the experience in terms of professional MMA fights, and not to mention the experience inside the UFC against all different levels of competition. Uh, both guys, mainly strikers, we do see a little bit more grappling from Jonathan Pierce every now and then. Uh, obviously, that's how he was able to dispatch of Kai Kamaka last time around, uh, especially as a big plus 230 dog in that fight. But I think he's going to have his work cut out a little bit more for him here against Gabriel Benitez. Now, we haven't really seen Benitez. Uh, uh tested in the grappling realm as much as we used to see him in his earlier ufc career as more often not he's fighting strikers nowadays uh humberto bandanai that fight was pretty quickly quick where he was able to slam ko him here so dq Yusuf mainly a uh, striker omar morales mainly a grappler and or sorry a striker and then obviously justin james a wrestling background but only likes to th throw that leather gabriel benitez i think is one of the better um uh, Gabriel Benitez, I think, is uh, is uh, one of the better southpaws that we have in the UFC with probably one of the nastiest body kicks that we see from his power leg. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big thing for him here to go out there and try to implement that against Jonathan Pierce. Now, I do think the line is a little bit wide due to people still having that bad taste in the mouth from Jonathan Pierce getting knocked out by Joe Lozon two fights ago. But can you really blame the dude, man? The first UFC fight 
in Joe Lozon's backyard, gets clipped right off the bat, and then is just not able to recover from it and then gets finished. And there's always that one fight that seems to weigh a little bit too heavily on people's minds, which detracts or devalues a fighter to most people, which gives you a better line on some fighters. And I think that's the case here with Jonathan Pierce. I think that's the case with KB Buller earlier in the card. But I do think that Gabriel Benitez is just good enough to go out there and outstrike Jonathan Pierce and really make him work uh, for, from a technical standpoint. Now, if Pierce goes out there and tries to grind out Benitez and get that wrestling going right off the bat, then I'd be sweating my Gabriel Benitez ticket. As again, I just don't think we've seen enough of it from Gabriel as of late to truly go out there and be like, his takedown defense is top notch. His get up game is top notch. Now you see him obviously training over there at AKA. And one of the more famous pictures that have come out over the past couple months is him training with those Dagestani guys that go out to AKA, right? You got Usman Nurmagomedov, you got Magomed Ankalaev, you got a bunch of those Nurmagomedovs all going out there and training together with Gabriel Benitez. So you bet that they're working on some of that grappling. And I think that's what they should be expecting here. Um, uh, with uh, Jonathan Pierce says, I don't think that Pierce could go out there and strike for strike beat Gabriel Benitez. Ultimately, I will go with Benitez, Benitez here. I do think he's the better fighter. Uh, as long as he's able to keep this fight vertical, I think he should go out there and outstrike Jonathan Pierce and absolutely shred up that body with that left power kick that he has from the southpaw position. I think with Jonathan Pierce not finding uh, highly skilled guys in the past, I think that southpaw, our southpaw stance from Gabriel Benitez would really fuck him up, and I think it will cause him uh, some, some concern here, and I think we'll see Gabriel Benitez just piece him up and then go on to win a decision victory. Not the most confident in this, as I do think the line is a little bit wide, but I do think that Benitez wins this fight. I don't think he's KO abreast, as somebody said in the chat, which I'll go over very shortly, uh, but I do think that Benitez can piece him up and win this fight via decision. I apologize. I need to... I guess nothing. I apologize. All right. See what the chat is saying here. Kung Lao Chicken Pierce is probably the biggest dog. He thinks Benitez is KO robust. I I don't believe he's KO robust, but I, I, I yeah I can see Pierce being a, a a very solid dog here. <clears throat> MMA Cap is hoping Nina's cardio is good. Dropping back down, got Benitez, Marab, Yiri parlay amongst the bets. Ooh, that's a very sketchy parlay. I do think they all win. Big Bird PH, GSP going to grind on Benitez. Barzola took him down a shit ton. Seems Benitez needs KO to win. Uh, Benitez is a weird wrestler, though, right? Like, he's he was like a kickboxer turned grappler, and he uses it very well. I'm not sure if Jonathan Pierce will be able to get that same game plan going, but if he is to win, I think that is his path to victory. Big Bird PH, even if you on Benitez, have to admit the line seems a bit off. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. SKD letting us know that Rue Grug is getting pieced up. Does not surprise me. Just a matter of time. <laughs> Kung Dao Chicken Pierce has crazy pace and volume. Yeah, he is very hittable, though, and that's one thing that I'm not a big fan of. If he can go out there and outpace Benitez, yeah, that could definitely help him as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. And we got Rana Marcos versus Luana Pinheiro. And I believe this is the prelim headliner. Uh, we got plus 140 on Rana Marcos and minus 160 on Pinheiro. Let's start off on the Marcos side. And man, that does not look good for her last five. She's one and four with that one victory coming via split decision over Ashley Yoder in a fight that was, you know, her just doing her scrappy style, right? Winning some of the clinch exchanges, winning some of the grappling exchanges. 
landing a couple of good shots on the feet. Nothing that's really going to blow your hair back. But can we just give it up to to Marcos's ability to just go out there and fight anybody that they put in front of her? Right, Claudia Gadelia, Ashley Yoder, Amanda Kibas, Mackenzie Dern back to back, and then obviously Kanako Murata last time around. Uh, and she's always always like a, a heavy underdog in all of these fights. Um, Kanako Murata, not a lot of people knew about her coming into the UFC, but god damn, is she a, a little bit of a beast. I think that she could definitely make some waves inside the strawweight division. But uh, yeah, as my guy Blackie Chan over here is saying, Fight IQ is complete shit for Ronda Marcos. It's not the most convincing. Obviously, the one thing you keep hearing her say before that Mackenzie Dern fight is, I'm not going to engage in the grappling. And what does she do fucking 20, 30 seconds in to the fight? Mackenzie Dern flops to her back. Ronda Marcos tries to engage in it, and she gets tied up, and eventually gets submitted shortly thereafter. So very tough to trust Ronda Marcos, considering you know the, those those brain farts that she seems to have. Uh, and yeah, but but the one thing that I will give to her here, um, the the one thing I will give to Ronda Marcos is here. She knows that this is kind of do or die for her, right? This would be her fourth loss in a row. She'd be a sub five hundred fighter if she loses this fight, and. Um, she actually moved her training camp down to Travis Luter's gym in, uh, in Texas. Normally, she is from Windsor, Ontario. She trained in Detroit a couple times um, for a couple camps. And then eventually, for this camp now, has moved down to Texas to train with Travis Luter to try to find that, 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 that winning mentality, to find that ability to go out there and get the dub and work on that ground game of hers. That's obviously a huge thing uh, for Rana Marcos is, is getting that ground game uh ready to go earlier in her career like if you guys tuned into my locky late night episode that i did last night i told you guys that i worked on her second ever pro mma fight which was a fight uh just you know over here in, in ottawa uh and her approach in her earlier fights was just get fighters to the ground grind them out or find that submission and obviously she was going up against a very lower level of competition at that time being it was her third fourth and fight, fifth fights and as a pro mma fighter uh, but as she's going up the ranks, as she's fighting better people, she needs to round out her jiu-jitsu game a little bit more. And I think that's exactly what she's looking for down there at Travis Luter's gym. Uh, so, yeah, wealth of experience, level of competition, way in the favor of Rana Marcos here. Luana Pinheiro, on the other hand, we're talking about a woman who, you know, I believe... Uh, is the girlfriend of Matias Nicolau, obviously flyweight in the UFC. Um she 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 trains at a good gym, has a good support system, Novo Unyao brown belt. Uh, and the majority of her last, well, I'd say at least six of her last nine fights. Let me just confirm this. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Her last six fights, all by first round knockout. Now, she has two uh, fights that went to a decision. One of them, she lost by split decision. And then the first one was her first ever fight. And she won that uh, by a unanimous decision. Uh, and that was a girl that ended up going 0-4. Uh, you want to put together the record of uh, Pinheiro's last opponents? We got 0-0, 2-0, 2-0-1, who she ended up losing to. And I believe that woman actually ended up going on a losing streak after that. Yep, she ended up 4-4-1 after that. 0-0. Uh, Three and one, six and five, oh and two, four and two, eight and six, eight and six on the contender series. You want to talk about a setup fight? There's your fucking setup fight. I think she ended up being a minus five fifty favorite that night, and she went out there and got a beautiful finish there. But what I'm trying to get at here is we've seen this happen 
over and over and over again. A highly touted contender series uh, fighter coming into the UFC with such a, a devastating knockout record or devastating winning record on the regional scene, and they come into the UFC and fall flat on their face. Now, Luana Pinheiro is obviously going up against uh, Randa Marcos here, who's fallen on tough times. But you got to say that Marcos has definitely been in there much with much better fighters and survived against much better fighters. Luana Pinheiro is a, black, a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, and I feel like Marcos is heavily working on her jiu-jitsu, like I said, with Travis Hooter. So I'm not sure if that will be completely nullified here against Pinheiro. But I am very much questionable about Pinheiro's ability to uh go three rounds if that's what's required here i do question her her gas tank i do question her uh ability to maintain her approach for 15 minutes compared to just dusting women within the first two or three minutes and i think it's going to be harder for pinero to get marcos out of there than it has been for our last several opponents and once she's not able to get marcos out of there in that first round that's where i think things start to get a little bit iffy and with that said i'm ultimately going to be picking around marcos here but i'm not going to pick her to win uh or I'm, i i probably won't be rushing to the, the betting window here to uh to to bet on marcos but i'm not laying minus 160 on pinero let's see her go 15 minutes that's what i need to see out of somebody that i'm willing to trust my money on especially with them being so new to the ufc and with someone who clearly had a setup fight on the on the contender series against uh stephanie frausto last time around so Say what you want about Frosto being being on a three fight winning streak going into that fight. How often do you ever see a fighter eight and six going into uh, the contender series? Right, there's a clear bias there, and they wanted Luana Pinero to win that fight, and she did, luckily in devastating fashion. I don't think she's going to be able to one punch drop Ronda Marcos on her butt. I don't think that she's going to be able to submit her that quickly. Like the only person that, um, the the, the only person that. Rana Marcos has been submitted by, and the most recent memory was obviously Mackenzie Dern. Are you telling me that uh, Luana Pinero has Mackenzie Dern level jiu jitsu? Who else has been able to tap Rana Marcos? Who else has been able to finish Rana Marcos? She got armbarred by Courtney Casey five years ago. And then she got comored by Rose on the, uh, the Ultimate Fighter seven years ago. So Rana Marcos is tough to put away. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pinero struggles to put her away. And that's why I'm ultimately going to be going with Rana here as I think she'll be able to grind out at least two rounds here. You know, cage clinch, uh, grind her out. Uh, her weird herky-jerky, unorthodox striking style. I think that'll come into play here. But I'm intrigued to see what kind of improvements we're going to see from her, uh, especially working with Travis Luter now and completely changing up her game plan compared to uh, what, what she's been doing up into the past. And again, if she loses this fight, she probably gets her walking papers, right? Let's be honest. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then we'll move on to the next one. Noah is saying, I wanted to pick Marcos, but Pinero actually looks good. I, I will say this. She does look good. She, she it seems like she has decent striking, obviously a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, but... When you're doing it against scrubs, you're going to look amazing. <laughs> Just as Gloria DePaulo looked amazing and then fell flat on her face against a new fry. Dylan Glenn, I hope Marcos wins for Canada. If she doesn't, she's probably looking at a pink slip. I agree. Kung Dao Chicken, Marcos has fought way better competition. Got to fade those Dana White contenders. I agree. Or you could just not, you just not bet on it. <laughs> SC Crusader is saying, I believe in Rhonda Milf, Milf goes. I don't think she's a mom, just saying. Baby Yoda predictions, Ottawa baby, my hometown. Yep. Gunny is saying, Yuri is not bringing Ray's dog. Sorry for your parlay. 
Uh, Kung Lao Chicken, you're better off probably over and unders on some of these fights. I agree. Uh, Hayden Stevenson, I'm not going anywhere near Yuri versus Reyes. I have no idea who's going to win. I agree. You guys are talking about the main event, and I'm not there yet. So, Arlen M. Pinheiro is being overrated here, in my opinion. It looks like they're picking people out of the crowd to fight her in her earlier fights. I absolutely agree. Derek's saying, not sure how Marcos wins here. Ground game and take it to the cards. Uh, if she stretches this fight... I think she could possibly expose some cardio issues for Pinheiro uh, and just win this off of volume. Kung Dao Chicken is saying Marcos by decision is great value. Let me just confirm what that number is because I do agree. I, if I'm taking Marcos to win this fight, it is by decision. Marcos by decision plus 235. Not too bad of a line. Noah is saying, is Marcos not a setup fight at this point? It could be, but again, like let's... Let's give her some slack. Like let's let's give her the benefit of the doubt, given the the type of competition she's been going up against, and she's beaten girls in the past that she probably shouldn't have beaten. I'm not touching this bitch. All I'm saying, Big Omega saying uh, plus five fifty underdog just one on one championship. I'm assuming I'm assuming Rue Groog just lost, and it was just a matter of time until Rue Groog lost. Right? Let's be honest. Who did he? Who was the uh is Umar Kane Rugrug? Am I am I am I correct in that? Is he the guy that just lost? Can anybody confirm that for me? All right, let's move on to the next fight here and hopefully somebody confirm can confirm Kane, Urog Kane, or whatever the guy's name is actually Rugrug. Anyway, Poliana Batalio versus Luana. Or big big Omega saying, yeah, Rugru lost by throw punch at the bell. Yeah. All right. Just a matter of time, right? The guy is just all muscle. That's pretty much all it is. All right. Uh, Poliana Botelio versus Luana Carolina. We got minus 245 on Botelio, plus 205 on Carolina. You want to talk about a fight you want to stay away from? This is probably another one here. So last time we saw Botelio go out there, she lost a decision to Jillian Robinson where she just showed – she doesn't give a fuck about getting up, and she doesn't give a fuck about giving up a round on her back. And that's, uh, you know, that was a fight where I ended up losing on the under two and a half, as I was expecting a little bit more from Botelho in terms of getting back to her feet. And that's where Robertson more often than not finds her submissions. Uh, but uh, good one for Robertson that night. Not a great performance from Botelho. One of the things that does stand out from Botelho is obviously her victory over Siri Kondo. I believe that only took 10 or 15 seconds where she was able to blast her with the first punch that she threw and then absolutely put her out. Great win for her there and then she fell on to tough times like in between that cynthia calvio can you really you know blame her for losing that fight via submission and then obviously goes out there and outstrikes lauren mueller great performance from her there um and she does have some heavy hands she does have some decent footwork but she has a lot of uh, work to do in other parts of her game luana carolina on the other hand comes in as a plus 110 dog to Ariane Lipsky last time around. And I, that was one of the more questionable ones for me, right? I, I, I don't rate Carolina that highly. And I know Lipsky was falling on a hard times going into that fight. But man, that fight, skill for skill, was just completely outmatched. I thought Lipsky was absolutely going to gonna work her and she did you know she got a beautiful knee bar uh victory and and good win for Lipsky there but Luana Carolina when she's doing well like she did in that fight against Priscilla Cashware it's just keeping the fight at distance trying to outpace and out cardio on her opponent and just putting more volume on her opponents however I think she's going to struggle to do that here against Botelio who I believe is going to go out there and absolutely just torture on the feet um I feel as though the 
yeah, the statistics are not off. Interesting. I thought Luana Carolina was slightly taller than 5'6", but she's not. Pollyanna Battaglia seems to have a two-inch height advantage as well here. Uh, I think Battaglia will be the best strongest striker. I think that whenever Carolina tries to close the distance and get her strikes off, she's going to be met with the powerful strikes of Battaglia. And I think that Battaglia will get the better of the striking exchanges ultimately going on to a... Uh, um, uh, to a... Uh, uh, unanimous decision victory. Not the strongest lean on this. I'm not paying the minus 245 chalk on Botelho. And no way am I ever risking money on a woman with the skill set of Luana Carolina. If you guys are betting this fight, God be with you. I mean, you guys have that that the degeneracy and is strong in you guys to go out there and bet on a fight like this. But I do favor the dog here or the, the favorite here, and I get why uh she is the favorite. She should be able to land the better strikes. I think she has the better overall game. And I just don't think that Carolina is truly UFC level, let's be honest. Uh, and I think that Botelli should pretty much win this fight uh wherever this fight goes. The only way I see Luana winning this fight is if she goes out there and tries to out cardio her, out uh, pace her and out volume her. But I don't think that's gonna be be the case this weekend. And I do like Botelio. I am not touching that that minus two forty five though. All right, let's see what the chat is saying. If anybody has anything to say about this fight, Arlen Evans saying, why is this fight on the main card? I agree. They should have put Marcos and uh, Pinheiro on the main card instead of this fight, but it is what it is. Or at least they may should, should have made this fight the first fight of the night because that's what it deserves to be. Tyler Miskola saying, Pierce, Reyes, Strickland, Parlay. Not really on board with that, but good luck if that's what you do. Kung Dao Chicken, Botalio going to outpace Lumana. She's been working on her cardio with Colby. Has she really? I think you're off on that one. Aren't you talking about um, what's her fucking name? Uh, Poliana Vienna. You're talking about Poliana Vienna. Different chicks. Uh, MMA Kappa. I gotta take Potelio just because she's a low-key baddie when she does herself up. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys. Let me know, Poliana of Vienna. Yeah. So my guy, Kung Dao Chicken, you're a little bit off there. All right. Let's move on to the next one. I don't want to spend too much time on this fight. Next up, we got Cody Stamen against Marav Devalishvili, and this one was a fight where I was like, "There's probably some the, some solid value on Cody Stamen in this fight, right?" Like, you know, let's just talk about it from face value, pre-tape. Cody Stamen, credentially the better wrestler. Uh, seems like the better, more technical striker. One of the better strikers with a wrestling background, right? Uh, whenever I talk about wrestlers with the striking uh, style, all they have is those wide-winging hooks, similar to uh, Luke Sanders earlier on in this card. But Cody Stamen kind of takes shades from uh, one of his former training partners, uh, Darren Crookshank, like that karate style, uh, where he's kind of just hopping on his feet, throws a bunch of nice kicks, has some good striking, some good blitzes down the middle, and he doesn't have that crazy like wild winging style that you really see from uh, from these wrestlers. But Cody Stamen has it uh, pretty much down. I think that it's um, I, I I think it's a good style that he has. Uh, obviously, the Jimmy Rivera fight for him, very tough one. Kind of surprised the odds were as close as it is because I expected if Cody Stamen was going to be successful in that fight, it was him getting the fight to the ground. And I was very 
comfortable in Jimmy Rivera's ability to keep the fight vertical and get the, his style of striking, which was much more effective than what Cody Stamen was going to bring to the table. So good win for Jimmy Rivera in that fight. Good win for Cody Stamen in the fight before against Brian Keller. That was shortly after his brother's uh, death. So it was a very emotional fight for him. He was able to keep his mind straight and obviously get that victory over Keller. So good win for him there. And then obviously the Yudong Song fight, super uh, close. Obviously a draw. Yudong knees him illegally in the head in the first round. Cody Stamen, uh, you know, gets a or sorry, Song gets a point taken away, and they end up going to a draw. Um, I, I like Cody style, but Marab is a machine, man. Marab is an absolute machine. I so I, the way that I tried breaking this down is. It reminds me of Billy Quarantillo against Gavin Tucker, where or just Billy Quarantillo. Period. I'm comparing Marab to Billy Q, and the way that the reason I'm uh, comparing them is Billy Q kind of more often than not uses that Homer Simpson approach, lets his ass get beat up until like the second or third round, then he starts to take over and starts to get his game going. Technically speaking, he's a decent fighter, but fighters that were much more technical than him, who had a good gas tank and were able to you know sustain uh, an output for over 15 minutes, they were going to beat him. And that person ended up being Gavin Tucker. So good good for Gavin Tucker that night. The way that I'm talking about Marab here is sometimes he doesn't have the greatest technique. He's not the greatest striker. He does get hit a lot. He seems to have an ironclad shin, so that works out for him. And then even with his wrestling, not the most technical wrestling approach, but he changed shit together so well. And he has probably the best cardio you'll ever see in this weight class. And that's the, that's the difference. His pace... His pressure, his ability to stay in his opponent's face and, and just keep them uncomfortable and just stay riding on them and you know continuously throw them around. And even though he lost that fight against Ricky Simone with that last second guillotine, uh, the way he was throwing around Ricky Simone in that fight was absolutely crazy as I believe that Simone has a very good wrestling background. Brad Katona did the same thing to him. Casey Kenny was Casey Kenny, in my opinion, one of the best scramblers in the division. Uh, you know, even he couldn't get the better of Marab Devalishvili. So I find it hard to believe that Cody Stamen is going to be able to go out there and actually deal with the forward pressure, the relentless pace, the always in your face, you know, throwing you around the cage pressure of Marab. Um, not a fan of the line. I'll say that first and foremost, as I do believe that the fight should be closer lined. Not saying it should be a pick or anything like that, but I'd be more comfortable with maybe minus 180, minus 170 for Marab compared to the, you know, minus 255 that we're currently getting. And... It's, it's again, it seems like he just powers everything and just, you know, just throws you around the cage with not much method to his madness. But he does have a method to his madness, and it's successful for him, which is why, you know, he's on a crazy winning streak as he is right now. Probably should have won that Ricky Simone fight had it not been for that last second guillotine. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I truly think that Marab is a juggernaut in this division. I thought Cody Stamen was going to be a bad matchup for him. I don't believe that any further. I think Marab wins this fight pretty comfortably. Um, I don't think Cody knocks him out. I think that's the only way he wins this fight. I don't see him winning rounds here against Marab. Uh, so yeah, I'm going Marab via decision here. And uh, I did see somebody actually comment recently talking about like, you know, if you're going to bet Marab, take take Marab by decision. Though I agree that that's a good value play. We've seen crazier things happen in MMA, right? Like people always want to approach um, Usman, uh, for example. Why bet Usman by by knockout or inside the distance? He's just going to go out there and like grapple fuck people. That's what he's supposed to do against Burns. Puts Burns' lights out. That's what he's supposed to do against Jorge Masvidal. Puts Masvidal's lights out. So there might be that anomaly where like Marab comes out of where, somewhere and, you know, pulls off a submission or a knockout or a ground and bound victory of some sort. But 
Cody Saban is quite durable. He has decent cardio himself, but I think he's just not going to be able to put up with the pace of Marab this weekend. So I like Marab. I like him to win this fight via decision. My nose is like leaking for some reason, and I don't have any Kleenexes or anything around me. Let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if I can get Mrs. Locke to help me out. This is great, right? Dead air, dead air. I think Mrs. Locke is is helping your boy out. <laughs> she should be on her way with Kleenex very shortly. Thank God. And that's why she's the best wife of all time. <laughs> Let me just mute this shit real quick. All right, let's get back to the chat here. Noah says uh, statement is a bad matchup for uh, Marab, but it doesn't matter. I agree. <laughs> Derek saying RIP statement. Uh, Kung Dao checking if statement outstrikes Marab. Judges might see that as more significant than just takedowns. Good point. Uh, Nick West, Marab will close the distance and take him down again and again until statement is too tired to get up eventually. Arlen M. Went back and watched a ton of Devalos Feely fights. Honestly, this guy is so underrated. It's ridiculous. It's like if Khabib traded four inches of height for a permanent battery pack. <laughs> I love that. That's a that's a great analogy of uh, Marab's game. Uh, Kung Dao Chicken, except Khabib can hold his opponents down. Marab can't. Hence, he keeps having to take him down over and over again. Uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting aspect, right? Like, he gets like 20-plus takedowns a fight, it seems like, but his opponents are able to get right back to his feet. Luckily, he has the cardio to keep doing it, to get 20-plus takedowns a fight. So you got to give him, a, as 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 bad as he is at holding opponents down, he's just as good at getting them down. And that's what matters. And he's just as good with keeping his cardio up. MMA Kappa face bar on the card for units. Marab via decision, but with even more units on over two and a half play as well, just in case any statement, just in any case, statement does win a decision. Not a bad approach. Arlen M is saying, I think Marab doesn't hold his opponents down sometimes because he's so jittery and energetic. He just keeps chaining everything chinning even after he's taking the guy down yeah but it's also like if you guys remember kane velasquez in his prime he didn't really do a good job of kind of holding his opponents down either he would almost let them get back up so he can get them back down that's even more tiring than just laying on top of a guy so maybe there is a method to his madness there uh kung dao chicken safe his best fight goes to decision minus 270 i, I expect it to be chalkier than that i don't mind that uh both guys are decision machines yeah i agree uh, Noah, all I'm saying is don't expect Marab to ragdoll Stoneman. Stamen. I, I think he will, man. It might not happen right away, but I think he will. Navali Shvili decision prop. I agree. Nine minutes is saying I have bets on Marab, but Cody sounds really confident in his media's day interview has me a little worried. I, again, that's why I don't listen to those too often. I'll listen to it at, at certain points, but I, I try not to let that persuade me too much. 
I make happen saying the Stumpy statement to lose a clean 30-27, hopefully Marab in a few parlays. Tyler Miskell is saying any parlays you would recommend. I'll, maybe I'll drop one at the end of the show for you, buddy. SD Crusader, dogger pass to me. Judges recently give zero weight to takedowns if you don't do anything with them. Good point. But what is Stamen really going to be doing if he keeps getting taken down? Nine minutes. Uh, Gigo or Marab, Strickland, Loma, Parlay. Not bad. Uh, Ethan Bomarito is saying Cody's teammates sparred with Marab and they were pushing him to take the fight from what they saw from Marab. Interesting. Yeah, they're both based out of Vegas right now too, right? That's the interesting part. Ethan, that's what had me worried about Marab. Interesting. Yeah, I like Marab here. I don't know if I'll be betting the chalk myself, but I think he should win this fight pretty comfortably. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Sean Strickland versus Christoph Jotko. We got pretty much the same line here as we did in the last fight. Minus 255 for Sean Strickland, plus 215 for Christoph Jotko. Let's start off on Sean Strickland, who's, you know, two fights removed now from that extended layoff that he had. I believe he had a motorcycle accident or a car accident of some sort that put him out of competition for a little bit. But he came back pretty strong, man. You got to give a big shout-out to Jack Marshman for taking the amount of damage that he did against Sean Strickland, even to the point of Sean Strickland just yelling at him, go down, Jack. Go down, Jack. Why won't you go down, Jack? Absolutely insane. One of the best memories that we'll ever have from the COVID era of the UFC. Uh, but great performance from Sean Strickland there, staying away from the big power of Jack Marshman and absolutely painting a picture on his face. Good performance from him there. And then he follows that up two weeks later against Brendan Allen, whose fight had fallen through, I believe, the same night he fought Jack Marshman. And uh, they met it, I believe, at a catch rate of 180, if I'm not mistaken. And then he absolutely put it on Brendan Allen on the feet and uh, eventually knocked him out. Now, Sean Strickland, mainly seen as a striker, but has a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. So he definitely has that in his back pocket. And if I'm not mistaken, I actually took a little bit of a stab on that submission prop in his Jack Marshman fight. But he didn't give a fuck about taking that fight to the ground, and it didn't seem to matter as he was still able to lock up the the, the decision victory there pretty handily. Um, and even in the the fight against Brendan Allen, you know, Allen, a high level jujitsu guy, didn't even decide to take the fight to the ground. And Sean Strickland was able to piece him up, eventually putting him out, I believe, in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. Christoph Jocko, on the other hand, three fight winning streak, the first of that that those three fights. Um, uh the first of three fights uh that he won against alan almadovsky uh he went to the, the grappling route right that's not what we were used to seeing from jotko jotko mainly a striker likes to maintain his distance and try to get his striking off from the outside but coming off of two straight knockout losses to uriah hall and brad Tavares, i'm sure he wanted to switch it up which is exactly what he did against almadovsky taking that fight to the ground repeatedly and just grinding him out grinding him out then he won a split decision against mark andre barrio trying to do the same thing get some good striking exchanges off as well but he was always the one pretty much getting the last laugh in every exchange in that fight with Barrio. Then the Eric Anders fight. Eric Anders is the one going out there and trying to implement the grappling, trying to get Jotko down. And Jotko does good enough of a job in those clinch positions to keep the fight vertical. And that whenever they're at range, he was landing the better shots over the, you know, obviously he had the way better striking and speed advantage over Eric Anders in that fight. So he was able to piece him up on the feet. Uh, but, you know, the fight was pretty much a stalemate whenever it was in those clinch positions with Eric Anders trying to drag the fight to the ground. Uh, but good performance from Jotko there. Unfortunately for him, Jotko is in for a tough time here against Sean Strickland. I believe Strickland is the much better striker. 
Um, even though he's going to be at a one-inch reach disadvantage, I think he's going to be able to maintain uh, the distance here and really get his strikes off from the outside. He's so crisp and clean with the strikes. His striking defense does leave a little bit be to be desired here, but I don't think that Jotko is going to have the power to truly put out the lights of Sean, Sean Strickland. I think Strickland would absolutely outpace him and outvolume in this fight, which is why I think he should be able to go on and win a 30-27 decision. And I'm not 100% sold on the fact that he's going to go out there and knock out Christoph Jotko. Uh, Jotko, if he does want to go out there and try to get his wrestling game going, is similar to how he beat Alvin Amadovsky, he's going to have a lot more to worry about here with Sean Strickland, who has pretty good takedown defense, if I'm not mistaken. It's around that 85% range. Um, and Jotko doesn't really complete takedowns to the greatest ability or to the greatest degree. Sean Strickland, like I said, a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so he is quite crafty on the ground if he, if he needs to be, but he gets his best work done when he's on the feet, and that's exactly what I'm expecting him to do this weekend against Jotko and just absolutely outstrike him on the feet. Uh, you know, put together combinations, a lot of good kicks, uh, great combinations straight down the middle, and that's what I think the difference is going to be here. The speed advantage, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes slightly to the side of Jotko, but I don't think it's going to be too big of a difference here as I believe that Strickland will be the one that's going to be throwing more and definitely landing more. If I'm not mistaken, Strickland lands upwards of five strikes per minute, whereas Jotko only lands about two or two and a half strikes per minute. So we'll definitely see the volume be tested for Jotko and we'll see Strickland go out there and absolutely put it on him. So I do like Sean Strickland. I do think he's going to win this fight via decision. Probably one of my stronger reads on the card as well. <clears throat> Freddie Freeball is saying, I like Stricken. Fun guy. I agree. Mr. Bubble is reminding us, why won't you fall, Jack? <laughs> Probably one of the best moments of the COVID era, I'll say. MMA Kappa is saying, Sean, the Nutter Strickland, always entertaining. Jotko is well-rounded, but hesitant to exchange in the pocket, and Strickland's maniac approach should overwhelm him. I agree. Ethan Bomarito, I love how he called Alan a loser. <laughs> yeah, Alan was a, definitely a sore loser for sure. Nick West, Strickland to win, and I'm okay with the juice, just as I am. SD Crusader saying Sean gave the best interview. I, I should go back and listen to that. He he's really built a character for himself as of late, right? So, especially since that Jack Marshman fight. So yeah, I'll definitely go listen to his interview. Uh, SKD saying dog betters on one becoming millionaires tonight. Is there another underdog that pulled it off? Is that correct? There's only three lines currently out on uh, on uh, on bet best fight odds. We got the the main event Long Long Song against the Ridder. Uh, obviously, Rugru just lost, and Eddie Alvarez. I hope he didn't lose. ST Crusader is saying minus 255 on Strickland is not that bad. I agree. Dave Crack saying Alvarez just got dropped. Did he get finished? Is the question. Big Bird PH saying Strickland has potential to do damage in top five. Mark words. I agree, man. He's a very, very talented fighter. Like, Again, the only loss as of late was that crazy spinning back kick by Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos. That was one that Strickland did not see coming, right? There's a lot of fighters that uh, throw a lot of the weird spinning shit, and Jotko's not one of those guys that's going to be able to capitalize the way that uh, Zaleski did that time. Uh, a succulent Chinese meal said, Strickland called Alan's heel hook when the pussy way out. Fair to say he's going for the KO over the sub. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Nine minutes, Carl looked like he was in some pain after Allen's heel hook. Yeah, that was a nasty heel hook for sure. Kung Dao Chicken, be careful. Poach fighters drawn terror lately. They all have the extra motivation since Yan won the belt. I, I don't really believe in that, to be honest. 
Um, the DXJC is so fucking excited for Strickland and Big Mouth to scrap after this fight. That would be a good fight. I'd be down for Strickland versus Dolan. That'd be a great fight. Dave Craxing, no second takedown now. Okay. Second round. Sorry. MMA Kappa, Kung Dao Chicken, Christy Jocko, Naran Samova is the rest of the post fighter, especially durability wise. I agree. Um, Dylan Glenn, okay, looked good in the first and dropped Eddie, but Eddie's controlling the second round now. Alvarez has been grinding okay against the cage, trying to take him down for two rounds. Eddie got dropped once. I'm assuming he lost that first round if he got dropped. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Dustin Jacoby going up against Iwan Kutilaba. I believe Kutilaba was scheduled to fight Devin Clark. Devin Clark pulls out in steps Justin Jaco Dustin Jacoby, who just won, I believe, two months ago, just short, uh, a, a day or two short of two months ago, where he was able to pull off a decision victory against Maxime Grishin. Not a lot of people thought he won that fight, but he did get his hand raised, and that's what matters at the end of the day. He's riding a four-fight winning streak right now. Two of those coming in the UFC, one of those being his decision victory over Ty Flores, who just would not go down. That was a crazy fight, and the amount of damage that we saw Flores taking that uh, fight was absolutely absurd, but good one for Jacoby regardless that time. Jacoby obviously has a great striking background. One of the things that we've been seeing really implement as of late was the calf kick, and that's something that I'm a big fan of. Uh, but Kuchilaba seems to have a game that could potentially go out there and spoil this winning streak of Dustin Jacoby. Iwan Kuchilaba has a bit of a wrestling background, and we've seen him use it to the best of his abilities, especially in his last uh, win when he was able to get that to ground and pound victory over Khalil Roundtree. And I'd kind of be surprised if that's not the approach he takes here against Dustin Jacoby. I think he'll be able to ground him relatively easily and then start doing some work from on top. But then I start to question the cardio of Kuchilaba the further this fight goes. The longer it stays on the feet, the more I would um, actually lean Dustin Jacoby. He's going to have a two-inch height advantage as well as a one-inch reach advantage. And obviously the striking advantage is just going to be massive for him, whereas Iwan Kuchilaba is like that wrestling striking style where he just throws wide-winging hooks, hoping uh, that he could uh, land a big shot on his opponents and eventually put them out. Obviously, Kutilaba coming off that uh, you know, double header against Magomed Ankalaev, the first one getting stopped relatively quickly given he was trying to put on an Oscar-worthy performance. It fooled Kevin McDonald that night, which is why he ended up stopping the fight. But I think the little that we saw of that fight, we saw how it was going to go, which is why the odds were completely different from the first time they fought to the second time they fought. We got minus 225 on Magomed Ankalaev the first time, then we eventually got minus 390 on the second fight, and we completely understand why. And we got the same result, but a little bit more definitive since uh, Kutalaba was uh, pretty much on the canvas. Um, I believe that was a TKO loss, but great win for Magomed Ankalaev. Luckily for Iwan Kutalaba, we're not getting a uh, Magomed Ankalaev type striker here with Dustin Jacoby. And I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, devalue the striking style of Jacoby. I do think he's a, he's the more skilled technical striker here, but Ankalaev is just an absolute monster and a wizard on the feet that it's going to be hard for Jacoby to, to truly replicate that type of performance. I think Kutilab will do a good job of trying to, you know, clinch this fight up, get it, uh, you know, in close quarters, not really be too far on the outside where Jacoby can get a striking going. And I think that Kutilab could drag this fight to the ground and truly get his work going from on top. So I'm actually going to be going with Kutilaba here, and I'm actually going to be taking him to win by TKO. I do think that he has a good uh, good enough chance to get this fight to the ground and then get to work from on top. I think that his durability should be good enough to deal with anything that Jacoby is going to be bringing his way. But it's just the calf kicks are a little bit of a concern to me in case Jacoby is really able to get those going early in this fight and start to de debilitate the forward movement of Kutilaba. But 
I do like Kutalaba here. The cardio has always been a question mark for me. So if this fight does get extended, I would be questionable about his ability to get the fight to the ground. Um, but I do think he is the better fighter here. And as long as he's able to get his game going, which is that grappling, which is that wrestling, and even uh, uh, you know his big shots on the feet, I think he should be able to find that chin of Jacoby on the feet or he should be able to ground and pound Jacoby on route to a uh, KO victory here. So I'm going to go Dustin, or so I'm going to go Iwan Kutalaba uh, via ground and pound, probably first or second round here. Nick West saying, I don't bet on a half gallon gas tank. So yeah, see, that's that's the issue. I, I can't bet on somebody who has a question about gas tank, and that's what we're getting here with Kutalaba. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Average Joe saying Kutalaba by KO, a decent bet. I think so. I think so. Uh, nine minutes. Kutalaba, too unpredictable. Hard to lay chalk on him with uh, with him as a favorite. I agree. Absolutely agree. Kung Dao Chicken can't bet on Kutalaba's fight IQ. Dude is dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> My guy is so vicious with these peeps. Dylan Glenn saying, I think this fight will play out similar to Kutalaba versus Wilson. I got Iwan by decision. Don't think he'll get the finish. Honestly, interesting. I, I want to be a little bit more impressed with this cardio before I can truly bank on him to do that type of performance again. MMA Kappa is just saying, I feel you on this one lock. I like Kutilaba price tag as well. Fought far better competition. Jacoby lucky to get the nod against Christian. I had bet on Dustin. I thought he lost to unanimous 29-28. I agree. Why you listening? Jacoby taking this on shortness as well, right? Yep, he is. Uh, Devin Clark pulled out, I believe, early last week, or late last week, and in steps Dustin Jacoby. Nick was saying, nothing worse than watching your bet fade with the fighter right in front of your eyes. Yeah, that's got to be the most underwhelming feeling is just seeing that gas tank deplete and deplete and deplete. All right, let's move on to the co-main event here. We got Cub Swanson against Giga Shikadze. Um, Cub Swanson on a two-fight winning streak right now, and that was uh, right after he was on a very tumultuous run. I don't even think it was three straight losses. I think it was more than that. I just want to pull up his record real quick to ensure but he was on some hard times. Yeah, he was on a four-fight losing streak. So he was on a four-fight winning streak prior to that, dating back to February or April of 2016, where he was able to defeat Hakran Diaz, Tetsui Kawajiri, Duhu Choi, probably in one of the fight of the year contenders. I was lucky to be in uh, live for that fight uh, at UFC 206. And then he goes out there and gets a main event victory over Artem Lobov. Then he gets choked out by Brian Ortega in uh, December of 2017. Then he loses a decision to Frank Yedger, gets choked out by Hanato Moicano, and then loses a split decision to Shane Burgos in a very close fight. Probably could have been scored his way too. Then he goes out there and pulls off an upset victory over Kron Gracie. As a lot of people believed that Kron was going to be able to get the fight to the ground relatively easily. And we had seen uh, Cobb Swanson, you know, even though he's a black belt, he doesn't seem to give up the submission relatively easily. Luckily for Cobb, he was able to keep the fight on the feet and absolutely demolish Kron Gracie on the feet. And we have yet to see Kron Gracie since that performance. He hasn't even been booked for a fight. I don't even know if he wants to fight anymore after that uh, performance that he had to go through. And then um, Cobb Swanson, for some reason, two months later, takes a uh, a quintet fight against Jake Shields, a much bigger Jake Shields, and gets his ACL torn up, I believe. It was something with his knee. Gets it torn up, gets injured. That's in December of uh, 2019. And exactly a year later, later, he makes his comeback. And not, you know, very well to do at the age, prime ripe age of 37 years old. Uh, but he goes out there and he gets a, a big win over Daniel Pinera after a very back-and-forth first round. He eventually drops him in the second round then gets the finish there. His leg was torn up in that fight. Uh, not a good look for him at all. But um, 
yeah, good win for him to to get the knockout over Pineda as a dog in that fight. Once again, he does come in as a dog this weekend against Giga Chikadze, who, uh, you know, I, I'm very much looking forward to to this fight. This is a good step up for Chikadze as, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Cub Swanson was supposed to fight somebody else on this card, right? Yeah, Cub Swanson was scheduled to fight Gavin Tucker. That one gets fizzled. And, uh, yeah, in steps Giga Chikadze. And, you know, the biggest fight in his UFC career, Coleman event status against a legend of the WEC and UFC game, uh, and I think this this is a fairly good stylistic matchup for Giga. Um, Giga is one of those guys that was writing off early in his UFC career. You know, I, you know, coming over from Glory, mainly being a kickboxer. I think that uh, um, uh, he really started to shore up his uh, his uh, his grappling game. You know, we saw him reverse Jamal Emmers a couple of times. We saw him get back to his feet with relatively easily. Um, and I do like what we've been seeing from him. Obviously, the much better striking game, uh, much better stri technical striking game is going to be coming from Giga here. Obviously, a four-inch height advantage as well as a four-inch reach advantage is truly going to come into play here as I believe he's going to be able to batter uh, Cub Swanson from the outside. I really do like Giga in this spot. I'm not, I'd am not. i be surprised if Cub Swanson drags this fight to the ground and gets his jiu-jitsu going. Uh, and I think he's going to struggle with getting Giga down. I haven't been the biggest believer in Cub Swanson's wrestling game, and I think he's going to struggle with getting Giga down here, and then he's going to struggle even more with the kicking game of Giga, especially from the outside. We saw how Daniel Pineda was able to chew up that lead leg of Cub Swanson, or I believe it was his lead leg. It was his left leg, that's for sure. Um, and uh, I think that Giga will be able to do that much, much better here. Um, I think we're, see, we're going to see Giga absolutely piece him up on the feet and possibly finish him later in this fight. I think that Cub Swanson's durability is still a bit of a question mark here. And I think that Giga, the much better fighter, five years younger, getting closer to his prime compared to Cub Swanson, who seems to be on a decline, even though he got two wins over in his last two fights. Um, you know, we're talking about Daniel Pineda and Kron Gracie compared to Giga Chikadze, who's just on the up and up. Now, the level of competition, obviously, miles in the favor of Cub Swanson in this fight, but I do think that Giga Chikadze has shown the technical abilities to go out there and outstrike the best strikers in the division, or at least the guys that he's been fighting up until this point, the Omar Morales fight, right? A lot of people counted him out. He goes out there uh, plus 160 um, as a dog to Omar Morales and outstrikes him for, for for three rounds, just absolutely stifles the game of Omar Morales and then goes out there and does exactly what a minus 900 is supposed to do by putting Jamie Simmons' lights out in that first round. So I'm taking Giga Chikadze here. I think he's going to batter Cub Swanson on the feet, and I think he could finish him probably in the second or third round of this fight. Okay. Seems like the chat is lighting up because not only is this a fire matchup, We'll go over a couple of those, but it seems like Eddie Alvarez just lost. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Jason Brown saying this is the people's main event. I'd agree, man. This is a great fight. Freddie Freeborn saying, I thought this would be more of a pick em fight, so I guess you're assuming there's some value in Club Swanson here. Gunny saying Cub Swanson versus Duho Troy, one of the greatest fights of all time. Yeah, that was absolutely bonkers. Especially being in the arena for that shit. That was crazy. Nick West, Panier smashed Cub's leg with kick. Uh, kicks in their fight. Cub won, but it wasn't looking good. Giga kicks too, right? <laughs> Sons of the winky face as well. 
Bumbleclot 24 in the chat saying what up. I appreciate you stopping by, my guy. Jason Brown, Giga kick to the guts, bro. Yeah, exactly. Guy saying Cubs Swanson always been a live dog. I think he's not gonna. I don't think he's that live this weekend, unfortunately. Kung Dao Chicken saying people hoping that Cub takes Giga down and grapples are the same people thinking Yo Romero would do the same. Club loves to brawl and doesn't wrestle. Bang on, my man. Bang on. Nick West letting us know Eddie just lost the decision. That sucks. 0 and 2, or I guess 0 1 and 1 now. In 1, that's not good. I know a lot of people that were parlaying Eddie Alvarez this weekend. Gotta be, gotta be questionable. That's why I'm not touching one FC, man. Things could get crazy. R Robert Sella saying Giga the Goat 2928. DXJC saying, bro, they literally got a guy that fought a week before. How can Eddie fuck this up? <laughs> Arlen M saying Georgian fighter parlay. I don't mind that. Giga and uh, Marab, not a bad parlay. Congrats, Chicken saying anyone got Rory Mack on their parlay. I believe that fight's tomorrow. Yeah, he should be Millinder, let's be honest. DXJC, the Cub going to be such a dramatic step up. Oh, okay, let me try that again. Cub going to be a, such a dramatic step up from Omar Morales and Jamie Simmons. It's hard to not take that value. I don't know, man. I think Giga will be able to step up to it uh, and, and get the W. Average Joe reminding us that Cub has a win over Poirier. That was like years ago. Let's not let's not forget about that. Cub Swanson is a prime and ripe 37 years old at this point. So yeah, I got Giga, and I think he could possibly finish him later in this fight. All right, let's get to the main event. We got Yuri Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes. I do want to remind, remind you guys, if you guys have yet to do so, please do hit that like. That definitely helps your boy out, uh, especially with these live events. Uh, I do want to remind you guys also, next week we'll be going back to regularly scheduled programming of 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Uh, so I'll be back on 8 p.m. Eastern uh, next week, Tuesday, breaking down the Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez fight. Uh, tomorrow, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be doing it. It's a slight change in time. Normally, I do the known EST DFS show on Salvetti's channel. We're going to be switching that to 5 p.m. for this week. And then also 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, propping you up with Cody. And then uh, Friday, live weigh-in stream. I believe they're back on the West Coast, so the weigh-ins are going to be happening in at noon Eastern. I'll be doing a live stream from the moment the first fighter steps on the scale all the way till them doing the stare-downs. And then obviously the ultimate weigh-in show happening at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm still finalizing the crew. I had a couple of people drop off. Uh, you know, kind of a piss-off, but it is what it is. Um so as soon as I finalize that crew for uh, for for Friday's show, I'll let you guys know exactly what's happening with that. All right, let's move on to the main event here. We got Dominic Reyes against Yuri Prohaska. It seemed like it was a pick em for a little bit, and then the money started running in on Yuri Prohaska ever so slightly. We got him at minus 130, and then Dominic Reyes coming in at plus 110. Now, I like me some Yuri Prohaska here, but I'm not the most confident in it, right? If you watch that first round with Uzdemir, Uzdemir having, is having a lot of success with Prohaska, landing the bigger, better shots. Prohaska, his chin seems pretty good. Uh, as of late, the only time he got knocked out or was his last loss against King Mo Lawal, which I believe was several years ago now. Let me just confirm exactly when that date was. He got knocked out five minutes into round one back in December of 2015. So we're talking about almost six years ago. 
or five and a half years ago since the last time he got knocked out. Before that, he got rear naked choked by Abdul Kareem Edelov. And if you guys remember Abdul Kareem Edelov, that guy seemed like he had a bright future inside the UFC. And then for some reason, he just ditched MMA, left the UFC after one fight, uh, and took on a boxing career. So uh, solid losses, I will say that, for Yuri Prohaska. But he is on a crazy, what is that? 11 fight winning streak not to mention finishing Volkan Uzumir last time around something that nobody has been able to do since Daniel Cormier before that uh, or sorry uh, Anthony Smith actually choked him out when he had gassed out in their main event fight late in the third round and then Daniel Cormier ground and pounded him in the second round of that title fight so big win for Prohaska nobody ever put out Volkan Uzumir the way that Prohaska was able to put him out uh, so that definitely tells you the amount of power that this guy has now he has that weird herky-jerky style right he doesn't really have the most technical approach to his striking keeps his hands down moves around a lot has a karate-ish type of style blitzes forward a lot throws a lot of spinning flying shit and that's kind of the approach that he brings to the fights right he's a guy that goes out there wants to create chaos and then catch you within that chaos whereas dominic Reyes, is obviously an athlete has some great technique uh obviously developing on a fight by fight basis as a great fighter um you know has a couple of interesting knockouts on his record but he uh, has only two losses on his record and both of them were his last two fights obviously loses that decision to john jones very close fight a lot of people expected him to win that fight once it got to the judges scorecards unfortunately john jones ends up retaining then jan blahovic goes up there and pieces up the body of dominic reyes with a beautiful kick that he just stood up repeatedly for the majority of that fight and then eventually follows up with beautiful punches and knocks him out at the ending of that second round so a little bit of a tough run for dominic reyes as of late and now he's going up against a heavy hitter and yuri prohaska not the kind of guy that you want to be fighting after coming out uh coming back from a knockout loss like that i am leaning on the Prohaska side here now i do believe and i do agree that reyes is the better technical striker here and he should be able to land some good shots on Prohaska. but i think on the counter here uh dominic reyes is going to be uh, kind of surprised at the power that he's going to be feeling from Prohaska. Uh, same height, but we do have a three-inch reach advantage for Prohaska, which I think will be important for him here, as I believe that that should allow him to kind of, you know, pick his spots, do what he needs to do from the outside, and then when he truly comes in and crashes forward, when he lands those big shots, I think it's really going to hurt uh, Dominic Reyes. I like what we've been seeing from Prohaska, man. The guy is wild. He's chaotic. He brings such a weird uh, game to the to the to the table inside this light heavyweight division for the UFC. Not to mention, twenty four of his twenty seven victories have come via knockout, two of them via submission. So only one decision he's ever gone to in thirty fights. So that just lets you know what kind of style this guy fights with. Um, I like Yuri here. Again, technically speaking, I think that Dominic Reyes is the better fighter. But one thing that we've got to kind of agree upon and kind of recognize, the higher that we go up in weight, especially in this light heavyweight and heavyweight divisions, technique doesn't matter as much as the amount of power that you're able to generate, especially if you land cleanly under somebody's chin. And I expect that exactly to happen here with Yuri Prohaska. So I do like Yuri. I don't like the, the whole John Jones argument that people are making oh he went five rounds with john jones oh he probably should have won a decision with john jones nobody has won a fight out of the three guys that most recently fought john jones anthony smith yuri um sorry anthony smith Dom uh, dominic reyes and jan blahovich uh sorry not even jan blahovich who's the other tiago santos the only guy to get any victories after they fought john jones over five rounds was anthony smith twice just recently subs devin clark meh 
brutalizes the lead leg of Jimmy Crude and pulls off another upset victory, meh. Dominic Reyes, say what you want. He only had one fight since the John Jones fight. Tiago Santos has gone 0-2 since the John Jones fight. But I think that was just more so um, a drop in John Jones's skills, man. I, I don't know. I, I got to look forward to seeing what John Jones looks like in his next fight to truly get an idea of what, you know, what happened to him from going from like absolutely destroying guys to now just going to decisions against guys he should be destroying in his sleep. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that argument of him going five rounds with John Jones holds that much weight as much as people are making it think it does. But yeah, um, I don't also want to do the whole, um, the, the, the MMA math thing here where, you know, Jan Blahovic was able to finish Dominic Reyes. If Blahovic was able to do that, Prohaska should be able to do the same. Blahovic did it methodically, right? Like he tore up that body of Dominic Reyes and then eventually st started to follow it up with punches and then finished him that way. We got to see what Prohaska brings to the table. He's a little bit more chaotic. He's like the 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 light heavyweight Brandon Roy Val. He's like the light heavyweight Tony Ferguson where he just throws all this crazy shit at you. And more often than not, if he lands on your chin, he's going to knock you out. Level of competition is obviously in Dominic Reyes' favor here, even though that Prohaska has over double the amount of experience that he has. He's obviously fought a ton over there for Risen as well, too. That's where he fought, you know, former UFC fighters or Bellator fighters like Brandon Halsey and, and Mohamed Lidawal, and then obviously former UFC fighters like Fabio Maldonado and CB Dalloway. Not the greatest wins, but at least he went out there and did what he was supposed to do, and that's what matters at the end of the day, finishing these guys relatively easily. And uh, I think he should be able to land on Dominic Reyes here, and I think he's going to be able to put him away. So I'm going to go Yuri Prohaska via KO. Not the most confident, but this fight should definitely tell us all we need to know about Yuri and his chances to win the title if he's able to beat Dominic Reyes. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then I'm going to wrap this bitch up and get the hell out of here. <clears throat> MMA Kappa is just saying, Yuri, the maniac, Prohaska, KO round three. Love how he's been saying in interviews he hates his first run against Volgan. And be less while I can see him breaking Dom. Yuri used to 10-minute rounds. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, in, in Risen, they did those 10-minute first rounds, and that's definitely a toll on your body. And that definitely uh, gives you some good experience. Kung Dao Chicken saying, lines are off on Reyes versus Yuri. Should be a pick -em at best. Reyes arguably won against Jones, yet he's the underdog. Again, I'm not going to put too much stock into that John Jones fight. Uh, Dylan Glenn is saying Prosco will need a little bit of time to work Reyes out, but I think if he stays safe until then, he will get the job done. I agree. Nick West saying Lowell, Maldonado, and Dalloway are terrible. Exactly. But again, when we're talking about level of competition, especially when guys are relatively newer to the UFC, can you really blame them? There's not much competition outside of the UFC for them to fight, especially at these higher weight classes. Ryan Telva is saying exactly what I'm thinking. Stop talking about the Reyes-Jones fight. It's over with. Chris Grieve is saying, is there tape available on Yuri on Fight Pass other than his first fight in the UFC? Tape index, my buddy. <clears throat> we have a ton of his fights up on the tape index. I am slightly slacking, unfortunately, not to completely to my fault, but... Uh, I'll pull it up on the screen for you right here. These are all the fights that we currently have of Yuri Prohaska on the tape index. We got a wealth of stuff for you guys to go out there and, and see on him. And I like what I see from the kid. 
<clears throat> Gunny's saying, yep, he's talking about the Jones fight, not even going to bother with that. Jason Brown saying, Yuri doesn't give a fuck about your technical striking. This dude is going to push for a while. You're throwing crazy techniques. Dom gets highlighted in the spot. Ooh, I'd be interested to see that. SKD is saying, fun main event, but wildly disinteresting from a betting perspective. Laura Carter has some co spots. I agree. I'm probably just going to sit back and watch this fight as a fan, to be honest. Arlen is saying the line on this fight seems pretty accurate to me. It's close to a pick I agree. Arlen M, fight doesn't start round three. is minus 115. I like that. That is a very, very solid um, spot for this fight. I just want to see. I'm assuming that the over/under is set at one and a half, right? Yeah, minus one forty-five for the over one and a half. Chris Greaves uh, over one and a half in the Benitez fight, minus one fifty-five. I like that. Uh, succulent Chinese meal saying Jiri five G antenna head Prohaska going to turn Ray's brainwaves wacky when he connects, possibly. YBB official saying, I'm playing all dogs this weekend as an experience. My bookie is going to be so happy. Maybe. <laughs> Average Joe was saying, no MMA math doesn't work, but Vulcan arguably beat Reyes and Prohaska dismantled him. He was Prohaska was getting touched up in that first round. Let's not overlook that. Kung Dao Chicken and Yuri's striking defense is horrible, though. Vulcan was lighting him up in round one before guessing out. I don't think he gassed out. I think he just got hit with a really good shot. Dorzan.com saying Luana Carolina can pull it off this week and good luck. I'm not betting that. Marcus Williams saying great show. I also like Yuri winning. Keep up the good work. That's my guy, Nubian Bookstore. What's going on, my buddy? Silky B, sure a lot of live dogs. Uh, a lot. I'm not sure. Uh, Scotty Smith is saying, how is this going as your full-time job so far? I'm enjoying it, man. It's great. You know, still not ahead of schedule as I was expecting to be, but life gets in the way sometimes. But uh, that's still the goal. Um, but yeah, I, I feel much better. You know, I'm getting more sleep. I'm uh, able to spend time a little bit more with the family and shit. And that's kind of the main part. So yeah, fully, fully enjoying it. Appreciate you asking me, Scotty. Jared Garrett, a social anxiety, is saying, I have no clue on this fight. I'm not sure how people could be so confident on Yuri. Not saying he's bad, but it sounds very risky to me. It matters what version of Red shows up. I agree. I'm not heavily invested in this fight financially. Manuel Galarza saying uh, Yuri is a fun fighter to watch, but I think he's going to drop to the right and run into the, to the southpaw's head kick. Yuri's hands won't be in place to block the head kick. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of how he keeps his hands low as, as low as he does, but um, yeah. Ed Fades, Dom Reyes stays too tight. He's going to land his left straight, then a right hook the way Prosco moves his head. Yeah, I could see it. SKD saying uh, the 10-year anniversary show was wholesome and super sick. I had to peep the replay. Thank you, buddy. I'm very happy that you enjoyed that. A little bit too baked, I will say, for telling a story like that, but I believe I hit all the points that I needed to, to hit. Kung Dao Chicken, any bets on PFL tomorrow? Yeah, I'm not. I, I think Rory is like the best spot there, but I know he's chalky as hell. Maybe Rory inside the distance, Rory by sub, but you can throw Rory in a parlay with a couple of these UFC fights and you might be good off. Jason Brown saying, my God, Nick Diaz versus Cowboy Cerrone. What? Is that is that true? Do we have a, a troll in the midst of us? Let me do my quick 
Um, ba, 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 ba. Yeah, obviously Kevin Holland. Could you imagine Kevin Holland against Cowboy? That would be hilarious. Anyway, uh, Jason Brown, if that is trolling, I do not appreciate any of that trolling. I will block you from the, the channel if you keep that shit up. Here's your first warning. Kristen is saying, do you buy Bitcoin with profits? I have not. No. FA's taking the dog on this one. Good luck with that. A succulent Chinese Mio saying, most confident prop round, round prop this card. Uh, I don't know, man. The only round three one that pops out to me is uh, TJ Brown against Kai Kamaka. I think Brown could finish him in the third round there. DHJC saying, Curtis, Curtis, going to shatter all your PFL parlays tomorrow. <laughs> I'd be surprised. Bruce Jackson saying, after watching Destiny's Part 1, I'm all about Yuri. His head is in a better place than Reyes. Prohaska by KO. All right. Shivdami is saying, any tips on starting an MMA potter for a newbie brother? Uh, me and Jazz are close to doing so. Oh, so you're, you're Jazz's boy, Shivdami. Um, he's already been hitting me up in the DMs. Continue to do that, and I'll help you guys out. No problem. Jared Garrett, social anxiety. Cowboy already has a fight coming up kind of soon. Well, yeah, he's fighting uh, Diego Sanchez, or was fighting Diego. Diego pulled out. Now they're looking for a replacement for him. All right. That's pretty much it on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, I won't be putting out a, um, a pre-recorded version of it this week. I just want to get started on next week's as well as uh, getting that tape index updated for you guys because I know a lot of people want to do that. So I'm hoping to get the Bellator and the following UFC's uh, tape index up for you guys by tomorrow evening and then start dropping uh, breakdowns for next week's card on the Patreon so that I can drop my podcast as normal on Mondays. And uh, lastly, I'll also be dropping the Best Bets and Props article on the Patreon uh, either tonight or tomorrow afternoon. So that's something you guys can look forward to if you guys are in the Patreon. All right. Appreciate everybody checking out the stream. As always, if you guys want to help out, hit that like, hit that subscribe. That's the best way to do so. And if you want to take it a step further, five bucks a month on the Patreon. It helps your boy out. Continue doing this on a full-time basis and then continue to drop some more content on you guys and get ahead of schedule, hopefully. And, uh, you know, start to beat the bookies and keep this lock of the night stream streak going on. If you guys remember, um, uh, 10 event winning streak right now, nine straight lock of the night hits, 10 straight winning events. We're going to keep the shit rolling. Number 11 this weekend. Appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Good luck on your best this weekend. I'll see you guys tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Me and Cody are going to be on my channel doing propping you up. So make sure you guys. Stick around and check that out tomorrow night. Good night and see you guys tomorrow.